Hallelujah. You've got to find your voice of confession. You've got to find your voice of confession. Yeah, I'm not probably going to demonstrate this for you, but do you ever try to like sing on tune and everything you do is flat? Maybe you haven't had that experience. I have had that experience. You know, and, and just something happens when you actually hit the right note. It's like hitting the, you know, resonant frequency of a room. You ever hit the resonant frequency of a room, especially like a small room? I have an a electronic uh, piano at home, and uh, I love to hit the resonant frequency because I'll hit that key just as hard as I hit all the other keys. But man, when I hit that key, it's like it's doubled. It's double. Lord said, I'll give you double for your trouble. Something happens when you hit that note. You know when you hit that note. Like you can sense it, and actually everyone else in the room can sense it when you hit that note. Do you know there is a note like that in your confession that you can actually hit your confession, and the note you're hitting is you confess based on your belief on the inside, not just on your, from your head. So there is a head confession, but there is also what we call, and what the Bible declares, a heart confession. If you confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus, come on, this is the greatest confession you could ever declare. I saw somebody uh, on YouTube uh, last week or the week before, YouTube short or something like that, and uh, boy, I thought it was really good. Some of their other theology they have, they'd like to learn more. They'd like to know more. But what they said about this was really good. They said, oh, I heard somebody kind of saying that they didn't have a good testimony. And they said, I'm just born again, you know. They didn't have, you know, I worked in a television ministry for two decades or more, you know. So we did a testimony one time, and this guy, I mean, he got born again, but he, he, he had been shot multiple times and showed the, the scars from the bullet wounds and all this stuff. I said, well, man, you give that testimony. Everybody's like, I don't really have testimony. <laughs> but you know, you really do. So this, this, this preacher, he said, he said, yeah, he said, I don't have a testimony like that. He said, my testimony is just that the son of God himself went to the cross shed his blood for me to reach every point of my depravity and my sin and to overcome all of it, overthrow all of it, to set me free forever. That's what God has done for me. So if you're born again, you have a testimony that you're, you, you have a, just an awareness of just a sliver of the depth of the goodness and grace and mercy of God. And just a, you know just a little about how much he loves you. Like, if you think you know a lot, the Bible says you actually haven't begun to know anything. One of my favorite scriptures. So if you think you have the corner on something, that is evidence you don't. Oh, thank God. This is not a formula. It is a life and a relationship. Amen. When you become a believer... You come into relationship with a real person, and his name is Jesus Christ. When you come into relationship with him, it's, it has many similarities to every other relationship that you have. One major difference is you're always wrong, and he's always right if there's a disagreement.
but you come into a relationship. So how many of you think that my wife would be satisfied if 21 years ago when we got married, I told her I loved her and I never told her that again? If I, I, I when, when the, the pastor said, uh, you may kiss the bride if I kissed her then and I never kissed her again. Why? Well, I entered into it. I, I'm a believer. I became a Christian like, you know, well, I became a Christian like a long time ago, but, you know, 45 years ago. Well, if that's the last time I did anything in my relationship with God, that, that's, that's a problem. In fact, I might want to check up and see if I'm part of the family. So, so we're talking about a relationship. And relationship, you need to spend time together. You, you learn about the other person. You love the other person. And so how do you spend time? Well, one of the greatest ways to spend time with, with the Lord is through his word. He is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so uh, you give the word of God the same place in your life that you would the Lord Jesus Christ if he were here in the flesh. And you approach the word with the same heart attitude and the same faith that you would the Lord Jesus Christ if he were here in the flesh walking among you. I guarantee you when I met my wife and I'm getting to know her, I opened my heart to her. Right? I mean, any relationship that has any value, there, there has to be some openness and vulnerability there. Well, my wife can still hurt me because she's not perfect. She hurts me many times just because she like, she like physically, oh, I'm sorry, I hit, you know, banging it, oh, I'm sorry. So we have like a, a running thing with her and her dad because they're kind of similar. They kind of hurt people by trying to help. So if they do anything, like if they would do a chainsaw together, she told me when they were young, uh, when she was younger living at the house, they would like just really spend extra time in prayer before they do it because it could be very dangerous. But she will jump in and help like at the drop of a hat. And so we're traveling with Brother Hagen in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, had an auditorium meeting there. And, uh, you know, we had this back in those days. Uh, I don't know if there's young people in here, but it'll age me. But we recorded on a master tape, but then also VHS uh, racks. And so we had a VHS rack that was this high. And uh, that thing was heavy. And so the ramp at that particular venue was pretty steep. And so we're, we're the guys, two, I think two of the guys were pushing it up the ramp. And it lost one of the wheels. It didn't lose it, but it lost balance. And so it started to go on just three wheels instead of two. It started to fall. So the guys ran because they didn't want to get crushed by, by the uh, heavy rack. Well, Melody saw this. So she's like from that pole over there to where she's at now. She just books it over, grabs it, sits it upright. She got yelled at by all the guys. But secretly she was like, I saved it. <laughs> so she's always willing to help. Uh, she's such a blessing. But you have to find your voice, the voice of your confession. And you know, the best place to find that is from the Word. We want to confess the Word. What does confession mean? 
Well, confession means to say this. Well, we're talking about biblical confession. I'll just add to the definition to make it clearer. It means to say the same thing. But we're saying, say the same thing as God, the word of God. So we're talking biblical confession. We're saying what God says about a situation. I think last week we talked a little bit about Abraham, you know, God who calls those things which be not as though they were. Well, that means God, you know, God never changes. He's the same. In an ever-changing world, like so much of this world is always different. God will never changes. And he's not a respecter of persons. If he ever did it for one person, he will do it for you. And God is not uh, aloof, uncaring, uninterested. He's actually aggressive towards doing good things in the lives of people. Psalm 119 says, you are good and you do only good. Verse 68, I believe it is. So in other words, if he did it for Abraham, he wants to do it for you. The Bible really does not magnify the ability of God to do something as much as it magnifies the deep desire and passion of God to do something in your life. The will of God. As soon as you get the will of God sorted out in your situation, boy, you find out this is his will. You have ground that's more solid than this gym floor to stand on because it's the word of God. You, you find out what the word of God says about the will of God in this situation in your life. Well, that, that, thing, will, that thing will last right through eternity. Actually, the word is an eternal thing, if you can call it a thing. I really shouldn't call it a thing. The word of God is an eternal person. So we think of the word like that thing. No, it's him. Well, he is eternal, and his words are eternal. So you think about this. When you stand upon his words, you are standing upon eternal realities, eternal substance. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you know, one translation says, now faith turns hopes in, and dreams into realities. Well, if you're without hope, you're in a really bad place. Well, if you, a lot of people have hope, but hope, having hope about something is not having the thing. In hope, it's like, I hope someday this will happen. I hope someday to become this. I hope someday to have this. I hope someday, I hope someday. Faith doesn't hope. Faith has it. Faith is of the heart. With the heart, man believes. With the mouth, confession, or saying the same thing as God says, is made unto the thing. 
that you're directing your faith towards. So faith is of the heart. Well, how do you get faith? Well, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes, you know, I think it's New English Bible says, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. New King James says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how does faith come? By hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. Literally in the Greek, it says the rhema of Christos, which means the spoken word of God under the anointing. You ever notice when you, when you listen to the word of God preached or spoken or taught under the anointing? Boy, that word will just stick with you. Like I never, I hear it under the anointing. I never have to try to remember it. It's just there when I look in my spirit. With the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto. So, so there, is, there is a place that you hit in the spirit when you declare from your heart with your mouth what you believe. And boy, you know it when you hit that place. You know, I, I um, several years ago now, probably about seven, uh, I was... Uh, really attacked in my body and um, hmm, that's interesting so uh, sometimes you think you know a situation and then uh, you find out more so I was attacked in my body and uh, I remember it was uh, like two or three in the morning I'm laying in my bed and uh Um, I felt like I couldn't help myself. I couldn't hardly breathe. This is before COVID and all of that, you know. And uh, so I, I, said, I got a hold of my wife. She came in the room and I said, because I don't know where you were up so late or something, but anyhow, I said, I need you to pray for me. And um, I don't know if this is really the case or not, but this is what it seemed like to me. Uh, Paul said, whether I was in the spirit or out of the spirit, I cannot tell. The Lord knows. And so uh, it seemed like to me, there was like a demon on my chest with his hand in my chest. Like I could see that. And uh, I said, Melody, pray for me. And so she prayed for me and she's a woman of faith. And so she prayed and then she left the room. And... Uh, it was like that thing I could see on me, I looked, and it got a smirk on its face. Like, you think that worked? And I got worse. Suddenly, I got worse. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I was, uh, felt very desperate. And I thought, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I'm, I'm looking. I'm talking about you find your voice of confession, Right? So I'm looking on the inside of me because it doesn't come from here where I find my confession. It comes from my heart. And so I, I know a few scriptures, you know. And so I'm like, okay, 
Lord, I, what, what do I need to say? I, I know something needs to be declared. Something needs to be said. What, what do I need to say? And uh, it was like when she had spoke, what I saw was this, this thing, his hand was here, was sitting on me. It was about this big. And all of a sudden, it jumped under me, and it was laying under me, but its arm was still in me, and it was smirking. And so I thought, uh, what am I supposed to say? And all of a sudden, just real subtle, but on the inside here, I started, I got these words, and it was this, uh, it's like a spirit of faith. And it, I just started to speak it out. And I, I found the words as I spoke it out. And the words that I said were, and I said it real slow, I am not under the dominion of darkness. I am under the dominion of the kingdom of the son of his love. Well, I didn't say it that strong because I could hardly talk. It was like, really, I'm not under the dominion. So you couldn't hurt me if you were in the room with me. But you know what? I hit the right spot. It's like a sweet spot. I hit that spot. And when I did, as soon as I finished saying that, I felt just a measure of additional strength. I didn't know what to do, so I said it again. But this time, just a little stronger. I am not under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. I am under the dominion of the kingdom of the son of his love. So I did this, and I got progressively stronger each time I said it for 10 minutes until I was shouting at the top of my lungs so that my daughter the next morning said, what was happening in your room last night? <laughs> and every symptom left. Every symptom left. Who did that? That was the Lord. I mean, I looked to him. I had to say it, but I was desperate. I'm like, Lord, what, what, what do I say? Because I know I have authority over the devil. You commanded to take his hands off. I had done that. But I, I had a stern on the inside. This was like there. It's like, um, <clears throat> you know, the other day, was it yesterday? I went for a run in the morning, and it had cooled off a little bit. It was 55 at night. And so in the valleys and the hills where I run, I could see the fog just lying down there in the valley. It's like that subtle glimpse of fog, not super thick fog, just real subtle when I checked in my spirit. I like to do in the morning. And I just spoke that out. So you have a voice of confession, and there's a voice of your confession. It's very similar. You know, Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise unto God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Or if you look in the Greek, it literally says making confession to his name. So, you know, the voice of your confession is very similar to your voice of praise and your voice of thanksgiving. So you gotta, you got to find that. You ever say, heard somebody say, get your praise on? What is that? There is a blessing. 
that you do not get any other way when you begin to praise the Lord and you just let loose and you don't care what anybody thinks except for what he thinks. You kind of become like David when he brought the ark back. Threw off his cloak and began to praise the Lord. And his wife said, what are you doing? You look like a fool. He says, you don't like that? I'll be more vile yet. I'm praising my God. Even sometimes your own husband or wife are not like all for that. Even sometimes you get in your own house, in your own room. Uh-oh, I said this before and they made a, a clip of it. I got to be careful how I say it. <laughs> Jeremy could probably get to you the clip if you wanted. I said before, you got to learn to be bold in your bedroom. It's not what I meant. But you get in your own room. You get in your own room. Do you know you can be self-conscious when it's just you and God? That's probably the place to start is by yourself. If you haven't ever done it, if you haven't ever lifted your voice to the Lord and said, glory to God, hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. We're going to have what he says. He's a good God. Well, you need to learn to find your voice. Smith Wigglesworth said, many Christians would be so victorious if they just had a shout. And sometimes you've got to shout. I mean, you can walk around the thing seven times, six times, but boy, on the seventh time they shouted and the, all the walls fell. The Lord will return with a great shout. Trumpet and a great shout. So you've you got to find your voice of confession and let that be what comes out of your mouth. Well, I'm hardly to the intro. So God calls those things which be not as though they were. And so he said about Abraham in Romans chapter 4, he said, I have made you the father of many nations. He said, for the father of many nations have I made you. What do you think the Lord has said to you and is saying to you that you're kind of uh, hesitant to receive? What do you think he says over you? He said to Abraham, you're the father of many nations. Well, if you're like Abraham, if you're human, and he said that to you and you had, uh, you're 99 years old, your wife's 90, you guys are looking good for that age then what are your thoughts? Well, there's a conflict going on for me because I know all this stuff I've learned through experience, but I know my God. I'm like, Lord, Lord you're going to have to like, uh, whoa, what are you saying? Well, well uh, Dr. Alan Landry taught a message one time, a whole series it was called uh, Blood Covenant, The Bridge to Faith, which I thought was a really good title. So, so God cut a covenant with Abraham and saying, you know, they cut all the animals in two feet, you know, and, the, and then they had the blood pathway in the middle and they walked in between the blood and, 
You know, when you cut a covenant, you're saying, if I ever fail to uphold, she just loves the word. If I ever fail to uphold any part of this agreement, may what happened to the animals happen to me. And it says that the less, lesser is blessed of the greater. And on that day that God made a covenant with Abram, because he changed his name, there's always a, a name change. Well, when God made a covenant with Abram, it says a deep sleep fell on Abram. Is that happening to anybody right now? Okay. It says a deep sleep fell on Abram. I was going to go wake you up if it was, okay. And it says that a smoking oven and a burning torch passed in between the pieces. So the smoking oven and the burning torch are the ones cutting covenant. Well, those are types and illustrations of God the Father and God the Son walking between the pieces. Why? Because you know Abram was a flawed man just like you and me. So God saw to it that he made a covenant with himself in your place and in my place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on. Acts chapter 3. I believe it's around verse 20. You remember they uh, healed the lame man at the gate beautiful? And then uh, everybody's looking at them. And Paul said, whoa, whoa, whoa. See that in your what, Tim translation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you look on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man whole whom you now see? And it goes like down four or five verses. And he says, it was by faith in the Son of God has given this man perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You see, God made a covenant so that he could bless you beyond your perfection. God made a covenant so he could bless you beyond your ability to do everything right. So that even... I guess that was Peter and John. So even Peter and John could say, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Not by their own power or their own holiness but by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're getting off track every time that you magnify yourself and not the Lord Jesus and the things of faith. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a new creature in your union with Christ. It is not by your own power or your own holiness that God works. It is by your, think about this. If you come up to a stop sign, where's my daughter? She's not here. She's learning to drive. The yield sign means if there's somebody else coming, you wait. Let them go. So how do you let God show up? You yield. If you're yielding, that means he's able to move. 
I really, I'm really not interested in who is teaching it, who is declaring it. I'm interested in Jesus being magnified and glorified. Yes. So it's not by our own power or holiness. It's by the name of Jesus. When you lose yourself in Christ, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives. The life I live in this body, I live by, not by my own faith even, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Boy, when you disappear in Christ, he shows up. Hallelujah. Never lose your love for him. Never lose your wonder of his goodness, of his awesomeness, of his ability. In fact, if you start to struggle, you start to have difficulties, you don't know what to say or what to confess, just start magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that you saved me and I don't have to go to hell. I thank you that you shed your blood for me. I thank you that all of my sins are removed because of your precious blood. I thank you that you loved me when I was unlovely. I thank you that you're not looking for me to be perfect. You're just looking for me to look to you. I thank you that you made a way when I thought there was no way. I thank you that when I gave up on you, you never gave up on me. I thank you that when I was faithless, you were always faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you start to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he's done. Come on, Jesus said this in Mark eleven twenty two. He said, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. How's it going to happen? You're going to have to lay hold of the substance of the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. You know, can you just go, ah, I'm relieved about that. I'm relying on him. Now he's counting on you and he's counting on me to believe him enough that he can move in your life and the lives of those around you and, and, and lives of people you don't even realize that you're going to touch and that you are touching. Come on. You ought to never have a confession. I'm not doing anything for God. Well, if that's true, do something. Come on, if you touch people, put some faith with your touch. There is a ministry of touching called a laying on of hands. Hebrews chapter 6. Why, why don't you let the power of God flow when you lay hands on somebody? Why do you hold it back? Well, number one, because you don't know. Or number two, because you're full of fear. But, well, you can activate that. You can let God, the power of God, flow through you by yielding. So it's not through your own power or holiness. It's the power and holiness of God. I guess this week is just going to be the intro. So um, when I was in Michigan, I was an associate pastor at a pretty large church, and so we had a whole um, team of what we called safety people, and so uh, they were there for your safety. Some people would call them security, but they also did other things that, you know, keep everything safe. And so, uh, you know, you kind of get to know people, and so one of the guys told me about um, the training that they did, and... 
so they, they, they found out like the, the local, they did like Krav Maga and some of those type of things. But uh, he told me they had this, uh, I think it was a video he had seen where they were training uh, a local police force and when they're training the police force how to disarm someone that has a, a handgun, you know. So they would have uh, two police officers and one would be, you know, the bad guy and one would be the good guy, the police officer. And so then, uh, you know, they'd like point the weapon at him and then, uh, you know, the police officer would like knock it out of his hand and get it. And then they'd stop and they would do it again because they're trying to do muscle memory so that you do the same thing all the time so it's an automatic reaction because you can't think at a time like that. You must automatically react. And so in order to do that with training, as soon as he knocked the gun out and grabbed the, the gun, then he would hand it back to the guy and try it again. Well, they found out in an actual crime, the actual bad guy had a gun pointed at the cop and he, sure enough, he knocked it right out of his hand and then he handed it back to him. That's true. I didn't lie. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I wonder what muscle memory your mouth has. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 18. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will do what? Eat the fruit of it. Whoa. If I love life and I speak life with my tongue, I'm going to eat the fruit of it. If I love death words and speak those with my tongue, I'm going to eat the fruit of it. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Don't you dare let the devil use your own words to kill you. You're just going to hand that gun to him? Let him take you out? By your words, you will be justified, Jesus said, Matthew. By your words, you'll be condemned. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit of it. I wonder what it would be like if we just took that verse for the month of September and just chewed on that verse every day. Like, what, what kind of words am I speaking right now? Do you know words can change the atmosphere? Come on, we've all been with, with uh, people that are constantly talking negative things, magnifying negative things. And you can have just taken a shower. You can walk into a group of people like that and you feel like you need to take a shower afterwards. Because it's just death, defeat, destruction. I mean, do you see what happened in the news? Did you hear what they did, what they said, what decisions they're making? And you know how horrible it is. And you know we're all going to have to like get ourselves a bunker under the ground. Get 50 years of food. Well, why don't we all just be like Paul, who in the middle of sure destruction and annihilation said, wherefore, sirs, I believe God. It's going to be just as he told me. 
Well, 2 Corinthians 4.13. This is written to believers. We having the same spirit of faith. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. This is Paul. He didn't say, he said, we have the same. He didn't say, I have the same spirit of faith. It included himself, but he said, we having. When is that? We having. Not we will have, no. Not we did have, no. We have the same spirit of faith. Well, he's quoting Psalms. Seemed like David had that spirit of faith when he ran at Goliath with his mouth declaring a bunch of things. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. You know, people, flesh, flesh so many times will just declare what it feels, what it sees. But you know, the person who that flesh is wrapped around is actually yearning to not even say the things they're saying. They're looking for an answer. I wonder if you are that answer when you're in that situation. I wonder if you asked the Lord, just prayed. You know you can pray silently. You could ask the Lord, Lord, give me words, words of life right now. Give me words to help change the direction of this right now. You know you can develop in that. Sometimes I'll just change the entire conversation. You know, one of the greatest ways to change the conversation is to have a, a daily relationship that you cultivate with God the Father and Christ the Son. So you don't know what to say in a, a given situation? Do you know there is, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That means you ought to be looking to the word of God every day for fresh manna. Do you know what I do is I just take the fresh manna. What the Lord's saying to me personally that day, if I don't know what else to say, if I don't get any, any other direction from the Lord, and they're, you know, da 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 And I'll just be like the airhead in the group. And I'll say, you know what I saw this morning? What the, in the Word of God, it really blessed me. And you know, like I'd say 75% of the time, that knocks them off of whatever they were saying. And then they start to think, oh, what did the Lord say to me this morning? And maybe they didn't give him anything, any time to say anything. But then even the words that he has given you, I mean, God's words are so infused with himself. How much is contained just in one word from him? What's available in that word? Oh, we limit it so many times because we, we just, we just kind of get the surface revelation. Uh, Dad Hagen taught us, you know, he said, uh, most people 
make the mistake by putting their own interpretation on what God says. He said, the Lord said to him, um, I never did, he's a pastor in a church, he said that he became unsatisfied. He said it was like uh, he was washing his feet with his socks on. You know, he said, you're getting the job done, but something's not quite right. So he started seeking the Lord, like, why, why, why is something off, you know? And uh, he said, the Lord said, I never did call you to pastor to begin with. So he said he put his own interpretation on what the Lord said. He said, I thought, because all I knew that in ministry is you were a pastor or you were an evangelist. Those are the only two options at that time that he knew about. Of course, there was every option that the Bible has, but he didn't know about those. And so he said, I, I, I set out to be an evangelist because the Lord said I'm not a pastor and I fell flat on my face. I wore my car out. So didn't he have a car anymore? He said, now I'm walking. I wore my shoes out and I'm like, Lord, what is the problem? He said, I didn't ask the Lord, what did you call me to do? He said, I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> so sometimes the problem, maybe I should say more than sometimes, but I'll be gracious. Sometimes maybe the problem isn't the Lord speaking, but us listening yeah. and us making room for him and us giving him space to say something. I think one of the greatest keys to prayer is to pray. It's so hard to get answers to prayer when you don't pray. <laughs> and when I say that, you know, I'm saying a lifestyle of prayer. Like, this is what you do. I mean, it says Jesus, as his custom was, he went into, he went into the temple as his custom was. Well, what's a custom? Well, it sounded like he must, have, he must have normally done that. So you get a lot more answers when you pray. You make yourself available to the Lord. Let him speak to you. Prayer, prayer should be two-way conversation, not one. Hallelujah, that's not in my notes at all. But it's wonderful. So don't let the devil kill you with your own words. And don't kill yourself with your own words. I'm never going to learn this. Things are never going to change. I'm so stupid. What's wrong with me? You don't even believe all that. That's just your flesh talking. But you'll condemn yourself with your own words. You'll gravitate towards that. You know, some of that stuff has like a supernatural pull almost. Why? The devil can't kill you unless you give him your mouth. Keith Moore used to be tormented by the devil saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, until he got a revelation from the Lord, and the Lord said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already killed you? <laughs> and he found out when he asked that, he's like, oh, you can't kill me. You, can, you know in the atmosphere when harsh words have been spoken. You know in the atmosphere when, man, there's like a heavenly fragrance. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
Remember James talked about your words? Your whole life is directed by your words. He said down, I think, in verse like uh, chapter 3, verse uh, maybe 16, 17, something like that. He said, out of the same mouth proceed both blessing and cursing. And I like the King James, these things ought not so to be. <laughs> he said, can, a, can a, a, a spring of water, can it have poisonous water in there and clean water? No, it's, if, it's, if there's poison in the water, it's contaminated. He said, here with our mouths, we bless the Lord and we curse men. This shouldn't be. Well, sometimes the greatest one that we're cursing is ourself. Your words... will hold you in a prison if you just speak from the flesh and all uh, the thoughts that come to your mind. You know, all the thoughts that come to your mind are not your thoughts. Some of them are. Some of them could be your reasonings and you reason things out. Well, you just reason God right out of the picture. But every thought that you have is not your thought. Kenneth Hagin said, the most holy saint of God has had thoughts in his head that his heart regretted. So he equated it to like, you can have a bird fly over your hair, but I'm not going to let it build a nest there. So life and death are in the power of the tongue. Your whole life is directed by your tongue. So what we're going to look at this month is, we're going to look at our confession that we say the same thing as God. And it's amazing when God speaks he sees things that you and I don't see. I'm like, Lord, show it to me. If you see it, I want to see it. I want to go your way. I believe you. I believe great days are ahead. In your life, in your situation, you know the devil can't kill you unless you let him. And you're not going to let him. You have the same spirit of faith. That's written to believers. That's you. You have the same spirit of faith. You like that how Pastor Mark says it? Make a tadpole slap a whale. <laughs> that spirit of faith to make a tadpole slap a whale. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would. What is your confession? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 literally says, If you confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead... That confession will save you. That confession will take you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of light. It'll cause a separation and it'll cause an inward change just because of your confession. That's not a confession based on your head. That's based on your heart. With the heart, man believes. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord, do you know not everybody is born again? It is not an automatic thing uh, that just because you're a good person or just because you come to church or just because your parents are Christian or your wife or husband or children are Christian, everyone must make a decision. The Bible says, as many as received Jesus Christ, to them he gave the right to be the children of God. You must make a decision for Jesus Christ. 
It doesn't come automatically. You must receive Him. He's real. He's a real person. He'll come and He'll make His home in your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a, a few seconds. And when I do, I'd like you to pray that prayer with me if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and you'd like to. God will never force you to come to Him, but He always invites you. He loves you. He has a good plan for your life. And the first step in that plan is that you become a brand new person in union with Him. You become a part of His family, part of the body of Christ. What you're saying when you pray this prayer is you're saying, I want my sins to be forgiven. I want my sins to be removed. I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want to be a part of the family of God. I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe that He loves me and He cares for me. If that's you this morning with every head bowed and eyes closed, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and for you. God's going to hear your prayer. We're just going to pray, pray from where you're at. We're all going to pray this prayer together. But if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord, just slip up your hand. As an initial confession, Jesus is my Lord. All right, let's pray this prayer together. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. Jesus, I take you as my Lord. Thank you for saving me, for forgiving me, for loving me. Father God, I thank you that I am now born again. I'm part of your family. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.